you know, if you're running a marathon a week, it's it's a really good litmus test for your health. It was three or four days after my brain surgery, and I said, okay, I need to go out and do something. And all I could bear that first time was to walk to the mailbox and back. Welcome in, ladies and gents, to another edition of the Run the Race podcast. I'm your host, Jason Dennis, a TV news anchor by trade and a husband and father and avid marathon runner and uh, loving to talk about faith and fitness on a regular basis. Um, I love Jesus. I love life. And I appreciate you being here with us. We have a great guest today. And if you missed the last episode, we had a platinum-selling singer-songwriter, Mark Schultz, who talks a lot about you know adoption and faith, being adopted, and then doing so as a father as well. And I uh, get to hear some of his uh, songs, um, uh, one that's from a couple decades ago, Remember Me, and also a new hymn that he recently recorded, and uh, some great music as we head into the holiday season. I hope you're enjoying uh, this a very busy time. Uh, hopefully got some plans for family and everything else. I hope you're safe wherever you are going. As for uh, this week's uh, episode, we have a great one for you. This is a longtime Marine and also an avid long-distance runner who I actually met last year um, in Rhode Island. Uh, you know, I've been running, uh, trying to run all the marathons in all 50 states, and uh, one of the ones I ran last year was in Rhode Island in Providence and uh, met this uh, young man there. Uh, he was one of the uh, 50 or 60 uh, runners in a race I did there. Uh, his name is Retired. Colonel Hank Donegan, or as some people call him, Hammer and Hank. And so he's the guest today. And uh, we, we ran that marathon together. I've been keeping up with him. He's got some great stories to tell as a military veteran, but also as a, a somebody who's running a lot of marathons right now. Um, back in the day, he did four years at the Naval Academy, and then he served 30 years in the Marine Corps. We salute him for his service, along with that Bachelor's of Science degree at the U.S. Naval Academy. He has a Master of Military Science degree from Marine Corps University. He was commissioned a Marine Second Lieutenant in June of 1977. That was about a, a year after I was born, after graduating from the Naval Academy. And uh, his goal right now is to run his 450th career marathon. That's right. Closing in on 500 career marathons in his life by the end of this year. So I think he's at 446 right now. He's actually run 46 marathons so far in 2023. That's about uh, 40 more than, than I've run this year. Uh, and he's 68 years old. He is in great shape. Uh, and uh, speaking of his health, he had brain surgery actually over the summer to remove a golf ball-sized non-cancerous tumor. And, yep, he kept running. You guessed it. Um, he has raised $85,000 so far for the Simplify Fund this year for Wounded Warriors, the number one individual fundraiser for that cause and um, really a cause uh, near and dear to his heart because he's dealt with PTSD himself uh, as a Marine, and he has uh, been to Iraq more times than he can count on combat deployments, and he's been to Lebanon, uh, and he talks about that and tells some war stories on uh, this episode of the podcast. And uh, he's uh, he's been to 44 countries, speaks French, 
Arabic and some Japanese. He's earned a, a load of uh, medals and, and honors, including two Legion of Merit awards, lots of other decorations as well. Um, when he was in the military, he had 90% disability related to a traumatic brain injury, a TBI, and that post-traumatic stress. Um, a lot of it related to what he witnessed uh, in Lebanon, in Beirut, in the early 1980s. His current job is teaching at the Marine Corps Command and Staff College on Camp Pendleton. Uh, he has some amazing stories to tell when it comes to running, uh, the military, and and how you know uh, fitness and getting out there for a run can really help with your mental health uh, when you're dealing with uh, you know anxiety, depression, PTSD, things like that. And so I uh, hope you enjoy this uh, great conversation with this military hero. Well, I would like to welcome retired Colonel Hank Donegan to the podcast. Uh, Hank, th- thanks you so much for joining us. You're, you're via Zoom in uh, Honolulu, Hawaii, after just running the marathon there. So uh, much much warmer there than it is um, back back home for us, right? Yeah, pretty warm. It's, I think uh, it's low 70s in the middle of the night and uh, low 80s. So the, the marathon yesterday, we started at 5 a.m., um, and by the time we were done, about noontime, it was the low 80s. It, it was pretty warm. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk in the next uh, bit about, um, you know, running so many marathons. You're, clo- you know, um, you know, kind of getting closer and closer to the 500 lifetime marathons and why you run so much and your, your uh, decades in the Marines and, and running, being a part of your, your military career and after your military career and, and raising some great funds for great causes. And also, you know, running so much at your age as you're closing in on 70 years old. But first, I wanted to talk about something that a lot of us can relate to is overcoming adversity. We all go through things in our life, you know, tough situations. And you had some major health scares. I know then reading up on you, um, you had, you know, um, a traumatic brain injury and PTSD from, you know, uh, your your time in war zones and especially what you witnessed in Lebanon uh, in the 1980s. And then, um, then lately, you've uh, you had major brain surgery over the summer, and also got a micro pacemaker put in. So you you've had a lot going on lately as well. You're still able to run after this brain surgery. I, from what I you you posted, it was a growing non cancerous golf ball sized tumor in your frontal cortex. So that that I guess that surgery didn't stop you from running, right? That was an interesting story. They found the tumor completely by accident. I was a volunteer for a VA research study, and as a part of that study, they had to scan me, and in the scan, they found the tumor. I had no symptoms, <clears throat> and so uh, they took a look, and they said, well, it looks like it's a non-cancerous tumor. If it's not growing, we'll just leave it, and we'll watch you, but if it is growing, we're going to take it out. So. After six months, I got another scan and the, the tumor grew uh, 10%. So the neurosurgeon and I made our plan and we got it scheduled right after the 4th of July. I ran a marathon three days before the surgery and uh, we got the surgery done on July 6th. And I ran my first post-surgery marathon three weeks later. And now uh, you know we're a bit down the road. I've got, I think, 21 under my belt. But uh, this Wednesday, coming up day after tomorrow, I'm going to start six weeks of radiation. So I'm hoping that uh, I'll be able to run through that. 
yeah, we'll just see. We'll see what the body says. Yeah, and that this this podcast will probably come come out on that day that you're starting the radiation. And and I think um, if I'm right, you've run uh, 46 marathons this year so far. Correct. Gotcha. So, um, and and going through the health scare that you've had recently, and and getting that taken care of, and what you're about to go through over the next month or so, um, and then also from you know 40, 50 years ago, the the injuries you dealt with, mental and physical, through your through your military career. How, um, what would you say to folks about overcoming adversity and dealing with? Because we're all going to have, or at least family members are going to have those those health issues. Well, I think you know pretty well known that running uh, is a is a terrific stress reliever. Um, you know, running is great for your overall health and fitness. So I think if you're going to have something like, for example, my brain tumor, um, you know, you want to be in the best of health you can so your body can endure uh, what it's going to go through to to heal and get well. But you know, we all face challenges in our life, and I think. Uh, the ability to to get out and and get the circulation moving and and be by yourself for a little bit it's very helpful it's helpful emotionally it's helpful uh, physically so um you know people are having emotional challenges like my case PTSD you know you have all these memories of things that you experience and uh you get out there for a couple hours of running it shakes out pretty good do you um thinking back on what you went through, you know, um you were in the Marines for was it 30 years or more than that? So four years of Navy time at the Naval Academy, followed by 30 years of uh Marine Corps service. And and during that time, um, obviously you saw a lot. Um, you know, uh what um, you know, going through all that, you know, what can you tell people about PTSD? People that maybe, I mean, and you don't have to be in the military to get PTSD. But I mean, what was that like? I mean, do you still, in terms of flashbacks, or is it something where it can be debilitating? Uh, it it can be. You know, when my first symptoms of PTSD came after my um, my tours in Beirut, and uh, back at that time, PTSD really wasn't defined. It wasn't talked about. Uh, you know, you weren't being screened for PTSD. You weren't being diagnosed. All you knew was that your experience had changed you and you were no longer the person that you had been. And you just kind of say, well, for a military guy, this kind of goes with the territory and I'm going to bear the scars and just suck it up. But um, I advocate uh, for veterans and I talk to a lot of veterans and there are so many veterans out there with undiagnosed PTSD. Um, so, you know, I'll talk to a Marine that's come back, you know, most recently, uh, Afghanistan. We just pulled out of Afghanistan and say, hey, how are you doing? And they'll say, hey, good to go, sir. And they say, well, you know, how about your sleep? You sleeping well? And they say, well, you know, I don't sleep that great. You know, how's things going at home? Well, you know, I just kind of don't like hanging out with people other than veterans. You know, they have that social anxiety. So it's, it's very easy to kind of punch through that. And I think the message is, is that most people who have been to combat, <clears throat> almost almost all of them will have some level of PTSD. 
And then you take it to the civilian community, uh, police officers, first responders, um, nurses, doctors. Uh, I think it's really out there a lot more than people uh, will admit. And, you know, unless you're experienced, you know, it's 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 kind of tough to be able to see it. it. It can look like almost normal behavior, but very deep down inside of those scars of what people have seen and done and experienced. And um, there's nothing, you know, the message is there's nothing wrong with it. It's a natural consequence of things that you do uh, and a lot of time things that you do for others. And do you think that, you know, um, having gone through what you've gone through over the decades from, you know, that PTSD and, and the TBI from decades ago to now, you know, this brain surgery and you got this micro pacemaker you got put in in July as well. Um, is Do you feel like, you know, grateful, thankful, or do you feel like that it, it kind of your resolve is even stronger because you've kind of overcome some of these things? Yeah, I'm really, I'm really very grateful. I'm, you know, I'm grateful for the good health that I'm in. While I'm dealing with those kind of things, I'm grateful for, um, you know, I have the best healthcare available to me in the, in the world, being in San Diego and, and my benefits from my military service and from the VA. So, um, you know, very optimistic and, you know, I'd like to be able to, uh, you know, take my experiences and kind of reassure others as they, you know, have to go through similar types of things. So, you know, for me, you know, I'm so optimistic. I'm getting ready for this radiation. I don't have the least bit of anxiety about it. I think it's all going to work out fun. Yeah. Well, you're in, in fantastic shape for a 68 year old. Um, and a lot of folks, you know, you just, just ran Honolulu, your 46th marathon of the, of the year, which is a lot. I mean, that's, uh, it's one, uh, pretty much almost averaging one a week. Um, so a lot of folks would, you know, that are, whether they're in their sixties or in their twenties would think, you know, well, that sounds crazy, you know? So why, um, why run so much or why run so many marathons? Is there a, a certain motivation or reason for doing that? Yeah, that, that's a great question because that a natural reaction to say, you know, that's a, a little bit extreme what it is there that you're doing. Um, for me, I wasn't, you know, I've only been running a marathon a week uh, here for about the last seven or eight years. And that was kind of a challenge that I grew into. But, you know, going back to the very beginning, I'm from Boston and we have the Boston Marathon. And when you're a kid, I mean, they when they're teaching you about local history, they teach you about the Boston Marathon. And so I always aspired to do the Boston Marathon. And then as I was uh, getting ready to go in the Marine Corps, I realized if you're going to be a leader, you got to be in good shape. And you get the most bang for your buck, I think, from endurance running. You get, you know, you get the, the stamina that you need to be out there in all kinds of conditions and sleep deprivation and be able to lead. So, um, you know, there was always a professional reason for getting out there and being able to run. Um, <clears throat> and then, you know, in more recent times, I started getting with a crowd of folks, uh, some folks that are friends of both of ours that were running multiple marathons. And for me, that was unimaginable because at the time 
I was probably running four or five marathons a year, and that was my threshold. If I did anything more than that, I would get injured. And it's because I was running hard to try to do the best possible time that I could. And as I was getting older, my body just couldn't bear that. <clears throat> so uh, I started talking to some of these people that are mega marathon runners, and, and they kind of counseled me, and they said, you just have to slow down. And if you slow down, you can run more marathons, and you won't get hurt. So I gave that a try, and it worked out. I, I chose a year, and I said, I'm going to try to do 25 instead of five this year. And it worked, and I didn't get injured. <clears throat> and then I kind of looked at some of the things that these people had done, a 400 marathon, 500 marathon, and I did a little bit of a timeline, and I looked at my family life, and I said, well, see if I can do 50 a year. Um, so anyway, in the middle of all that, I said, <clears throat> this takes up a lot of time. And it's time away from my family and other things. And, you know, is it just an indulgence? Uh, or, you know, is it something that can, you know, be more meaningful? And that's where I got more serious about fundraising as a, as a part of my running. So it became um, a mechanism for fundraising and bringing attention uh, to wounded warriors and other worthy causes. And just to try to help motivate others they say hey look at hank if hank can do that maybe i can do it too and to be able to give people a little bit of hope that they can do some of the things that i've done physically i think the last thing is you know if you're running a marathon a week it's it's a really good litmus test for your health um if you're not healthy you can't do it and if your body can't bear it you'll get sick, your immune system will get compromised or you know, you'll get a repetitive motion injury or something like that. So everything in your life really has to be in balance. You have to be getting enough sleep, your diet has to be perfect, um, your training and recovery and the days between have to be perfect. So um, it's kind of a positive thing to kind of hone down your life to, uh, be in such good health that every seven days you're you can go back and you can do that distance and run. So that's and, the story. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and speaking of that, uh, how did uh, how did your latest one go in, in Honolulu? And you were talking about early start and, and kind of warm, obviously. But was it did it go well? And, and did you were you shooting for a certain time or like a run walk kind of method? Or well, you know, Honolulu Marathon is a really popular marathon especially for the Japanese and there were probably 15,000 people from Japan that were running in this race more than half but it also meant that uh, the race was very congested so when I started yesterday at 5 a.m they fired the gun they had fireworks it was dark and it took me 30 minutes just to get across the starting line and then it started opening up a little bit. But uh, fortunately, the, the temperatures were moderate and all the Christmas lights, they do a, a really good job with Christmas lights in Honolulu. So you had all of that in the early hours. And then the sun started coming up and you went down along the beach by Waikiki and up over Diamond Head. And, uh, you know, it started heating up. And then it, it it's became a little bit of work 
just trying not to get too dehydrated and uh, getting yourself to the finish line in a reasonable time. But it was it was a terrific experience. Really enjoyed it. I'd recommend the race. Uh, you know, get over here, do it once, get your Hawaii experience, and and get a little bit of the the aloha feeling from the locals. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I, I will make it out there probably in the next uh, three to six years. My my wife and my two kids that are in college, they've uh, asked me as I go through this journey of trying to run a marathon in all 50 states, they say, when are you doing Hawaii? I'm like, well, that'll probably be the, the one of the finale states, you know, that in Alaska usually comes near the end. And so uh, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to doing that. And sometimes my son will join me on a trip or my wife or it'll be, um, you know, just a solo trip to a marathon. How how is that for you with your family with your with your wife? Does she travel with you a lot, or are you going off on trips where you're kind of just going off by yourself, knocking it out and coming back? Well, uh, most of the time I'm solo, but uh, my wife and my youngest son are here with me for this one, so it, it's good. But usually, uh, you know, if I'm going to a race or a race series, sometimes it'll be a, a Saturday race and a Sunday race, or or you know, multiple days. I usually kind of get in there and and do my thing, and and then you know get out in the quickest you know time possible. If you have family along, they kind of get lost in the in the shuffle. There's really not that much there for them, and you're kind of focused in on getting everything ready and getting up and going running, and then coming back and collapsing. And it's not always that much fun for them. But this one's been fun. For, uh, for my gang yeah a lot of times with these races you you're going to bed early before the race you're you're kind of uh maybe not in the best of moods uh the hours after or you're just kind of uh trying to take a nap all that kind of thing um shifting gears a little bit to your your military career um and um you know you have had uh you talked about three decades career in the marines i know you've been to more than 40 countries tons of deployments to the middle east i think in one of your interviews you said that just couldn't even count how many times you've been to Iraq, but um, kind of take me way back in time to uh, to Hank Donegan before you were Colonel. Uh, you were talking about back in 1974, you were in jump school here at Fort Benning, where I am in Columbus, Georgia, now known as Fort Moore, and you had, were uh, 19 years old. So thinking back to then, um, was was that um, you know uh, an, an exciting time for you for for young Hank Donegan? You know, my whole career was was just an adventure. So it was exciting then. You know, I was getting started on seeing different parts of the world. And, uh, you know, I was there at Fort Benning, jumped out on an airplane my first time and and uh, getting harassed by the the uh, the army black hats uh, who were there who who like to harass uh, sailors and Marines who are going through their program. It, it, it was a big adventure. And, uh, you know, the next year uh, I came over to Hawaii for the first time and, you know, I'd never been west of the Mississippi. So that was just sort of the start. And, uh, you know, the things I did, I could not have imagined in my wildest dreams. So I'm very grateful for the career that I had, the experiences that I had. You know, you wear Uncle Sam's uniform, uh, you know, you represent something much bigger than yourself. And um, that was something that was always very special that, you know, they saw that uniform, they didn't necessarily see Hank, 
and what that represented. You know, sometimes that was coming home on leave. Uh, sometimes that was traveling in an official capacity and, and people would approach you, you know, because they recognize a service member. Or maybe it was, it was overseas and being overseas and being that one person that represented the USA and meant something special to them. So, uh, you know, if, if I die and, and come back in another life, I'm going to come back as a Marine, do it again. There you go. Yeah. Simplify. Yeah. And, and, uh, what, um, with, with so many trips to the Middle East, were there, um, you know, some close calls for you where you were in extreme danger or, or did those experiences change you as a person where it gave you a, a whole different perspective? Well, you know, I, I tell my family sometime, you know, your, your family, they don't have the capacity to understand what your experiences are. And sometimes that's frustrating because as part of the PTSD process, you're, you know, you're going through some anxiety and you're trying to explain it to your family and, and you just keep saying, you know, you don't get it, you don't get it, you don't get it. Uh, but, um, you know, it's hard. You, the, the amount of peril that I was in over time, uh, it's hard to imagine, yet I came through all that completely unscathed. So you, know, you can imagine, you know, you're in those situations and, you know, you're doing a lot of praying and then, you know, those prayers kind of work out. You get through situations that you probably shouldn't have got through, but somehow, uh, you know, you had had something there that that protected you and you made it through. Yeah, what's that? What's the old saying? Um, there's no atheists in foxholes, right? <laughs> no, there's not. <laughs> Um, and, uh, you know, we, we talk, you know, you think about military, you think about fitness. I mean, a lot of times, I mean, whether it be the army Marines, um, any of the branches, you're, you're oftentimes getting up early doing the PT. Um, you're kind of, that's part of, you know, your job is to be in good shape and to meet certain standards of physical fitness. Um, and, um, I've found with friends of mine that are soldiers or veterans that a higher percentage of them especially when they get out of the military, they are not uh, fans of running. They don't want to run anymore. <laughs> they, maybe they've, they, they used the, the, they were in boots or they had to run fast and hard and early. Um, but for you, um, I know you've talked about before how mar the Marines helped make you a runner. So uh, you have a, maybe uh, you're in, maybe in the minority when it comes to that, that running has been something that you've loved in and out of the military. Well, imagine you're a, you know, a 40-year-old infantry battalion commander, and most of your troops are like 18 to 22 years old, and uh, you know they love to beat the colonel. You know, you're out there, you're on a hike, on a run, on the obstacle course. I mean, they they love to beat the colonel, but also, you know, if you're out there, you know, doing the real deal with a heavy pack on your back and it's hot. Uh, you know, they're, they're looking at you. And if you start to wilt psychologically, they, they start breaking down. If they see you, you're still up there moving. Uh, that, that helps them a little bit too. So uh, the other part is um, as a leader, you have to take care of yourself. You know, you have to take care of yourself. If, if you let yourself run down, you're going to let your troops down. So um over the years, I used to give a little pitch about combat leadership uh, and 
how important it is to do the things that take care of yourself, like get enough sleep. That often a leader will you know, go on the minimum amount of sleep uh, just because they feel like there's nobody else that can you know, can do the job. But there always should be your number two should always be trained by you to be ready to, to pick up the ball when you need to put your head down a little bit. Um, but take care of your hygiene. So just, you know, every day, you know, you got to brush your teeth and shave and take a shower so you don't get sick. And uh, another component of that is, you know, you got to get some physical exercise. Uh, you can't be, you know, sedentary sitting in your bunker all day. You got to break away and, you know, Marines have a way of, you know, they can get some sandbags and a, and a bar and, and make field expedient weight rooms and that kind of thing. So it's important to get, have the discipline to be able to do that every day. Um, and then just, you know, you're consumed by whatever the battlefield situation is. Every day you've got to take, you know, maybe 30 minutes and just step away and go lean up back against a tree and just think about something else other than all the problems that that are, are, you're facing. So, you know, running can kind of be a combination of that. It can, you know, get you that exercise and it can give you that little breakaway, let your mind get away from all your problems and then, you know, come back at the end of the run and get, get back to work. Yeah, running can definitely be a way to – it sounds weird to some folks, but to decompress and to, uh, you have that time to yourself, to thoughts to yourself, because you're not trying to sprint or run fast. And then also it's a great fellowship. It's almost I tell people sometimes, you know, if you're running at a conversational pace, it's like going out to coffee or going golfing with somebody. You just happen to be burning calories while you're while you're doing it. And uh, and it seems like, you know, these. 40, 50 marathons a year that you've run a lot more post-military. Is that by design? Is that something, like you said, it's kind of been a lot more over the last decade, especially in your 60s. Um, is that something, was there something that like turned the switch for you? They're like, okay, I really want to run more than I am. Well, you know, when I started running more, um, I was. it was also a time when I was going through some uh, anxiety and depression. And it really helped get through that probably, you know, to help heal it. So that was part of it. Um, you know, as you get older, you know, most people my age say, you know, I, I used to love to run, but, you know, my knees won't let me do it or my joints won't let me do it. Um, I experienced all those things as I was getting older and getting arthritis and all the things that was making it harder and harder to run. And I just had to figure out a workaround, how to get around that. And um, a lot of it has to do with you're having trouble with your joints. It, it can be connected to your diet. So you can reverse things like arthritis. And, uh, you know, I learned that running itself creates a lot of inflammation. Inflammation is a component of your arthritis. So if you can get rid of that inflammation, then, you know, your joints are going to work and they're going to be healthy. If, you know, if, if your diet is promoting that inflammation or your lifestyle to include doing too much running, then things like your knees are going to start wearing away and eventually just not do it. So through a little bit of study and talking to other successful runners who are older, 
starting to learn things like diet um, that can help keep your body healthy. My joints are completely healthy and they should remain healthy. Sometimes something will happen and um, you know a body part will get compromised. Let's say you step in a hole and you twist your ankle and then you know you've got to go through a, a period of healing. But other than something like that happening, um, I have confidence that you know through um, you know healthy living and a, a, a good diet, that I'll be able to just keep doing this, maybe not as fast, but as long as I want to do it. And, and speaking of that, you know, like you said, it's the the, the exercise and doing it consistently, um, and then diet and sleep too. But um, what what kind of things specifically diet wise? Like, do you like you know, speaking of the inflammation part of it? Um, is it um, where like you're eating or not eating certain things, or drinking or not drinking certain things? You know, back in 2014, I went to my annual exam with my doctor and I said to her, you know, I ran 25 marathons last year and I'm 20 pounds overweight and that doesn't make sense. She said, my husband's a cardiologist. He just read this book. I think you should read it. It'll help you. So I went and read that book. It was a book called How Not to Die. It was a bestseller back at the time. Uh, by Dr. Michael Greger, and he's just published, uh, released a book here this month called How Not to Age, and I haven't read it yet. But anyway, I read that book, and it scared me to death, and I completely changed my diet. And um, one of the biggest things was uh, not eating meat. So for a lot of people I talk to, that's just a non-starter for them. But for me, after I learned what it was doing to me, I said, you know, I'm stopping cold turkey. So all those things I love to eat, like meatballs and barbecue ribs and fried chicken, I stopped and my weight dropped and I started feeling an awfully lot better. So, um, you know, that, that was a big part of it, how I learned. And then again, just talking to other runners that you see, in my case, that are older and still successful and healthy, and what their you know what their secrets are, and we share things. So, in the morning, I have a smoothie. And it's got all these superfoods in it, uh, and it looks like a witch's brew. <laughs> but uh, I drink that witch's brew every morning, and it has a lot of components of the things that um, that promote my running. So. It working for me. My advice is just get on there and do the studying about it and uh, see what makes sense to you and give it a try. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't work, forget it. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people run a lot so they can maybe eat more than they, you know, maybe can get away, normally get away with. And, uh, and being, you know, 68 years old, what would you say to folks who may be listening and, and as they're, you know, getting older, 50s, 60s and beyond, they think, you know, like you said, like the, the joints, the arthritis and and, um, you know, the the you can't get away with stuff as you were when you were in your 20s. Um, what would you say to folks about, you know, not thinking that you can't do stuff as you get older? So um, what I would say, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of how do I get started? You know, maybe 
you know, you're 40 or 50 pounds overweight, not feeling that good under a lot of stress. And, you know, you see somebody out there running a marathon. Well, that person isn't going to go run a marathon a week from then. But, uh, you know, a journey of 10,000 miles begins with the first step. And it's kind of like after my brain surgery, um, it was three or four days after my brain surgery. And I said, okay, I need to go out and do something. And all I could bear that first time was to walk to the mailbox and back. And that was about uh, six tenths of a mile. And then the next day I was able to do about two miles. And then from there on, it kind of exponentially got better. So if you're thinking about trying to get a start, just uh, go out and do a walk and do whatever it is that your body will allow you to do. And then just slowly, if you are if you persevere and you're consistent, it will begin to increase. And then maybe you'll say, okay, I'm out here walking and I'm going to jog the distance between one telephone pole and another. And then I'm going to walk the next set of telephone poles and see how that works out. And maybe you can do that for 15 minutes. If you're patient over time, in six months, you could be running a half marathon, but it, you know you have to have the confidence and the patience to start somewhere. And you know that start could be something really small, but it's gonna it's it's gonna build into something that is significant for you. Yeah, yeah. I ran my first marathon at age forty, and um, when I started running, really three years before that, it was just. Uh, kind of get in shape and run some 5Ks. I, there was no design to run a marathon. It just kind of, you know, kind of snowballed and grew. And then I was like, oh, well, listen, I, I didn't die. So maybe let's run another marathon. And then it just kind of grows from there. You kind of think about like, you know, it's even like at mile 20 of a marathon, you think, man, why do I do this? I paid for this. And then when you're done with the marathon, about 10 minutes later, you're like, okay, where's the next one? You know, so it's uh, it's definitely uh, different. And, um, you know, speaking of marathons, I ran the Marine Corps marathon. Um, and I, I, for my states, I credit that for Virginia, even, you know, it's in D.C. a lot. It ends at the Iwo Jima Memorial. I ran that uh, four years ago. And uh, I remember one of the things I remember about it is it was pouring rain for the first 20 miles. I don't know if you were, you ran it that year, but it was it was a deluge. That was that was not particularly fun. But I was like, well, it's it's just like the Marines to make me run in the pouring rain uphill like, for 20 miles. But um, so you just ran. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong. You you've run the Marine Corps Marathon 28 times. Is that right now? That's correct. I ran my first one in 1980. And so what what's uh, what's uh, obviously you come from a Marine career. And I guess you, you ran it when you were still in the Marines, but um, is, I guess, is that one of your favorite races? Or that's one that you try to run most years? So uh, from time to time, I was able to get back to DC uh, to run the Marine Corps Marathon. Uh, but, you know, oftentimes I'd be deployed or aboard ship and it was impossible. But I was stationed at the Pentagon in 2000 and I saw all of these, I, I saw this group of Marine Corps marathon runners who had these patches and they had run every Marine Corps marathon since its inception in 1976. So I said, well, this is the new millennium. I'm going to see if I can run 25 in a row. 
I was still on active duty and I really thought the possibility of being healthy every year without running injury um, was not likely, but I like to set goals and, you know, goals oftentimes get me to where I want to go, <clears throat> especially staying healthy. So I set that goal and this last October, uh, I ran my 24th in a row. So next year will be 25 in a row. I'll, will God willing hit my goal. And uh, then the, the year, so 2025, it'll be Marine Corps Marathon number 30. Wow, congratulations. And I, I remember there's a small hill at the end of the course, unless they've changed it. But the, the great, um, really kind of um, an amazing way to get your medal. You've got I had two Marines that handed me and, and put the medal on me. And it was just so, um, you know, me, and then to have all the Marines along the way in their uniforms at the different aid stations cheering you on, you're like, man, you know, um, it, it's just so uh, awesome that they're out here. And for you as a Marine and as a retired Colonel who spent, you know, so much of your life dedicated to the, to the military branch, has it been emotional for you running that particular race or, or more meaningful than, than other races? Well, it has, you know, there, there are so many different memories uh, from the Marine Corps marathon and, um, you know, things that they changed over time. So for example, 2001, the Marine Corps marathon was run um, like six weeks after nine 11. And of course the Pentagon got hit and they were talking about canceling the race, but they didn't. They said, we're going to run it. And they had snipers and security all over the place. But, you know, we ran by the Pentagon. The Pentagon was still smoking. You know, all the fires were not still not out. And so um, that was an inspiration. And then, you know, you had the Iraq War and the Afghanistan War. And now you have wounded warriors that are coming back and running in the marathon as part of their recovery and therapy. So old Hank is out there running, you know, per perfectly healthy. And you've got these uh, Marine soldiers that are out there in prosthetics and, and sometimes passing you out on the course. So that's always emotional. And those um, wounded warriors continue to participate uh, in a big way in the Marine Corps Marathon and other races like that. I remember 1994 I ran. It was a year that Oprah ran, and people always remember you know, when, when Oprah ran. And whether they beat Oprah or not, I think she ran about 4.30, and that day it rained. So uh, over over the years, and as you know, the world was changing and the marathon was changing, I think 1980 when I ran the Marine Corps Marathon, there were probably less than 5,000 marathon runners. And it's grown into such a big uh, marathon now. Um, and besides, you know, the Marine Corps, what is uh, what's been your, you know, any uh, favorite or really a race that sticks out to you besides that one, Marine Corps, uh, um, that really has been something that you, you know, had an unforgettable experience at? Well, my hometown marathon is a Boston Marathon. And, uh, you know, when I was a young marathon runner and, and somewhat fast, I had ambitions of making the qualifying time and, and going and running my hometown race. So, you know, back in the 1980s, you know, I was just missing it by a couple of minutes. 
And I said, well, I'm going to turn 30 and I'm going to have a little bit more time. And uh, unfortunately, turning 30, you get getting a little bit slower and it just remained a little bit out of reach. But as it turned out in uh, 2010, I was able to qualify and I ran Boston and I, I was able to qualify in that race. It's actually a pretty fast race. And I ran again in 2011, 2012. 2013 was a bombing and I had planned to run, but as things turned out, I wasn't able to run it. And uh, I'm glad I didn't. I think the bombing would have tarnished it. So the long answer to your question is that um, Boston, really, of all the marathons, are probably among the most memorable. Yeah. And you're, and you're, I assume you're a Red Sox fan. Uh, I was a Red Sox fan. Uh, <laughs> I was a Red Sox and Patriots fan for many years. But uh, as professional sports got more politicized and the flag became a an item of dispute, I, it, you know, me and my PTSD get agitated when I see people who are using the flag as part of their, you know, political arguments. And so I just. Yeah. Yeah, you're, and you're 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 not alone with that for sure, with folks. Uh, and and we were talking about the different marathons you've run this year, including Marine Corps. And you are um, currently, or and I guess will be, the number one individual fundraiser for the Simper Five Fund. You were talking about Wounded Warriors. Uh, tell me about you know um, how much money you've raised this year or over the years for that, and and what the the purpose of of this uh, fund or organization is. So uh, the. The Semper Fi Fund, it's called the Semper Fi Fund and American Fund. Uh, it was formed by some Marine Corps wives at Camp Pendleton when we started having wounded coming back from Iraq in 2004. And so those women got together and started raising money to help support the families for things just like, you know, a husband got wounded and he'd been moved to Germany and now he's at uh, Bethesda, now Walter Reed, and the family needs money for transportation and accommodation would be by the side of their you know, seriously wounded family member. So um, the the need increased and the fund kind of grew and it's kind of remained the same that it's it's kind of a family run operation from the standpoint that most of the work is done uh, by volunteers. And so almost all the money goes directly towards Marines and families. And, um, you know, it's hard to understand with not a lot of war apparent that we're involved in, that the needs of these wounded warriors endure, they endure for their whole lives. And they have costs and expenses uh, that can't be completely taken care of, but can be diminished and furthermore, it's just a sign from, you know, the people that, you know, we care and we're trying to help you in some way. So that's a Semper Fi and America's fund and uh, is a cause that came close to my heart. I remember coming back in 2004 and um, <clears throat> I was back in D.C. I would come back for the Marine Corps Marathon and all those years when the war was going on, I would make a trip over to the hospital and just walk around the wards and talk to the Marines that uh, were there wounded, recovering. And, um, you know, it, it 
just struck so close to home. So being a fundraiser for the Semper Fi Fund uh, has a lot of meaning for me. So anyway, I got uh, started with my fundraising and every year I would set a goal. And most uh, fundraisers, they will um, volunteer and they'll fundraise for a specific race. Like they'll be signed up for the Marine Corps Marathon and they will do a fundraiser. And then once they run the race, their fundraising is complete. Um, <clears throat> I'm a little bit different that my fundraising is ongoing. And so it's never tied to just one race, although I'll announce um, to my donors that, you know, my next race is going to be the Honolulu Marathon and, uh, you know, what my goals are for the rest of the year. And I set a monetary goal. So, uh this year was uh, my most successful year ever fundraising. And uh, I really surpassed all my expectations. So I, I smashed through my goal for this year, um, which was 77,000. The 77 connects to my Naval Acla Academy class of 77, which I graduated. Here I graduated, a lot of my classmates donate and they like something connected to 77. So I I went through 77,000. I'm at 84,000 now. And I've reset my goal that I want to achieve for the end of next year uh, to be 101,977 dollars. And I'm pretty optimistic I can hit it. Yeah, well, that's that's great. That's fantastic. Like you said, it supports not only the, the, the wounded servicemen and women, but also their families because, you know, the spouses and the kids go through so much as well uh, when, um, you know, the, the, the men and women are gone to war zones or, or just gone for six months, two years, whatever time it is. Um, and uh, so uh, do what, what's the, uh, um, you know, what's the next race for you or next, the plans for the, are you done with marathons for the year or you still got three or four more? So I'm hopeful that I can I can run through this radiation. I know other runners who have had radiation and been able to to run through it. So I'm I'm hopeful that I can do that. So I'm going to start the radiation on Wednesday, and I plan to go out and do the marathon distance Saturday. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, I'll do the same thing the following Saturday, which I think is going to be uh, two days before Christmas. Right. And then, uh, so I've been doing a bit of catch up because I got off my schedule during the brain surgery. I missed a couple of weeks. So I've been trying to catch up. So I hit my end of year target, which is 50 marathons and 450 lifetimes. So um, as you know, uh, there are a lot of race directors that accommodate people who are trying to hit their goals of the number of marathons. And at the end of the year, they'll set up an event where you can run marathons on multiple days. So there's an event in Phoenix called Across the Years, and it goes for six days. And among the events you can choose, you can run a marathon on any one of those days. So uh, I'll do radiation on Friday the 29th, then drive to Phoenix and run the 30th, the 31st, and the 1st of January. And if I'm able to do that, then I'll hit all my numbers. Wow. What a way to, way to end 
2023 and start 24 for sure. And um, so, uh, and, and uh, one other thing I, I wanted to ask you, um, and I think that um, I had read that you almost didn't have this long Marine career because I think in the early 80s, you had run uh, an Ironman triathlon, I think in Hawaii, and that you almost left the core to pursue athletics. Was that something that was, how close were you to doing that? Well, I, you know, I was in the early part of my career. I had not been to combat yet. And so, you know, my career was just like any other typical infantry officer. So I was a, a first lieutenant and I had run my first marathon. So that was sort of my goal. You know, first it was getting as fit as possible to be a Marine infantry lieutenant and then using the marathon as a sort of a goal to help get there. And once that was achieved, uh, the Ironman was becoming pretty popular. It was on ABC Wide World of Sports, and and it was this thing that it was beyond most people's imagination to, uh, you know, swim 2.4 miles and then get on a bike and ride uh, 112 and then run a full marathon after all that. So anyway, a, a fellow lieutenant and I said, well, that'd be a pretty good goal. Why don't we try it? And so we put it on our calendars. The next Ironman was only three months away, and we knew we couldn't do that. Uh, we didn't have enough time. So um, the following one was 15 or 16 months away. So we started training. And uh, I ended up training for 16 months. Unfortunately, my running partner was training at month 13, but hit on his bike and separated his shoulder and he couldn't go. Um, but I I went to the Ironman. I was the number one Marine finisher uh, there. Uh, had one of the fastest bike rides as it turned out in the race. So I said, you know, maybe I can get really good at this. And they're talking about this being an Olympic event. Maybe I can, you know, finish my obligated time with the Marine Corps and devote myself to this triathlon and go to the Olympics. Well, I did the, the Ironman in February of 1982. And as soon as I came back, I transferred to an infantry unit. That unit was scheduled to deploy to the Mediterranean. And so we did our workup and we deployed. And as it turned out, we were the first unit called to Lebanon. So uh, I went to I went to Beirut, and uh, we came back. And typically, a unit will be in a rotation for deployments. So we were um, scheduled to redeploy um, eleven months later. So uh, working at that, I was a, a company commander and getting the unit ready. And so we got on the ships and uh, three days at sea, they turned the ships from heading to Lebanon to relieve the unit um, that we were gonna replace and got turned south to go to Grenada. And with 48 hours notice, um, we did a landing on Grenada. We liberated uh, the island from the regime that had overthrown the legitimate government there. And at the same time, uh, the day that we got turned to Grenada was when the, they blew up the barracks. 
in Beirut and 241 Marines and sailors and a couple of soldiers were killed. So we landed on Grenada knowing about that and knowing that we were going to go into that mess. And uh, seven days on Grenada, we sailed as quick as those ships could move to get in there and relieve that unit so that they could come home. And then from then on until the time that we rotated out, we were in combat operations about every day. So there we were just a very small handful of Marines who were veterans now of really the first combat since Vietnam. And we were such a precious commodity to the Marine Corps to be able to come back and teach and um, glean the lesson learned from those experiences. And so I was just kind of sucked up into that vortex. Now you've got these very few guys that are walking around with all these decorations from these operations. And, uh, you know, that changed my life completely. So didn't stop running, uh, didn't run another triathlon until 2001, because uh, I just kind of gone over that professional waterfall. But uh, that's sort of the story behind it. Yeah. And now you're you know, 40 years after that, a retired Marine Colonel who's still running a lot more marathons. And uh, I imagine like maybe part of the reason you run and maybe while you're running some of these races, you think about like these Marines and, and, and soldiers and uh, Navy that people that had, have given their lives for, for us and uh, maybe running for those who can't, right? I do. And, you know, it's interesting. Um, when I was getting ready to run the Honolulu, I went out to my donors and I said, hey, if you want me to dedicate a mile of my race to to somebody, let me know and tell me what mile that is. So while I was out there running yesterday. I had a little roster of, uh, of people who I was running for, of course, typically veterans from all different generations from you know, dads who were World War II veterans who now passed away um, to uh, there was one lieutenant, uh, Lieutenant Clayton, who was killed in 2005 in Iraq. I ran a mile for him. So um, that makes a race like yesterday especially meaningful that you can do that for somebody who's trying to preserve the memory of a loved one. Yeah. And you're talking about how, you know, old Hank being out there, you know, do, do you have any kind of nicknames? Do you, do people call you Colonel? I mean, I know when like Hank Aaron here, we're in the Atlanta Braves where near where I am, he was, he was hammering Hank. So any nicknames or what do people call you that, that know you or know your military history? Yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of nicknames. Some of them are derogatory. <laughs> but, uh, my, uh, my Yahoo email is hammering 77. So somebody put the moniker when I was training for the uh, the Ironman in, in 1982. In fact, I somebody who did an interview like this um, and gave me the nickname Hammer and Hank, kind of after you know Hank Aaron. So that that's one that's kind of stuck. But you know, it just depends on your perspective. So um, you know, anybody I I still work for the Marine Corps. I work full time on Camp Pendleton. And so I have these young students, uh, typically majors, and myself and my colleague, we you know, we say, I'm Hank. And uh, you know, they just can't do it. It's, it's Colonel or Sir. So it really depends on what your perspective is and what you know what name that you're using. 
Yeah. yeah, you teach at the uh, Marine Corps Command and Staff College. Is that right there at Camp Pendleton? Yeah, part of Marine Corps University. Gotcha. Well, uh, Hank, uh, Colonel Hank Donigan, thank you so much for your time. I know you're about to travel back to California from Honolulu, heading back home after a successful marathon and in pursuit of 50 for the year. So uh, wish you safe travels and uh, uh, Merry Christmas and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and also prayers for you for radiation, that everything goes smoothly and that it, it does what it's supposed to do. Thanks for letting me tell my story. And as, as we were texting each other, uh, you have a story yourself, and I'd like to have the opportunity to hear a little bit about it. Uh, I know you're you're clicking off your states, and and uh, I'm sure I can learn a few things from you. But still, anytime I meet another runner like myself, it's always inspiring. So I hope I have the opportunity to get your story. Yeah, well, hopefully we can meet again because I know that you and I met in person. Uh, a little more than a year ago in, in 2022 at a mainly marathons up in Rhode Island near, you know, I think I flew into Boston actually for that one, uh, your hometown. And uh, so maybe we'll get to one uh, next year together. And you, you can listen, you can listen to any past episodes of the run the race podcast. In fact, I did a, a recap a couple weeks ago of my, my first double the um, in uh, New Mexico and Colorado. So uh I'm sure you're used to the doubles and triples and quads and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, so, uh, but thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you for, for promoting running and, and for supporting veterans. And I'll just leave by saying aloha. And I'm going to have a link in the show notes where you can donate to uh, the Simper 5 Fund on behalf of retired Colonel Hank Donegan. Uh, again, this is helping wounded warriors as they come back from deployments, uh, uh, current service members and veterans, and also their families because they go through uh, so much as well. So uh, what an unbelievable cause. And, uh, you know, hope, hopefully you can help him get to his goal. Uh, but, you know, he's running uh, for folks that maybe can't run and he thinks about and dedicates a lot of miles uh, to a lot of uh, Marines and military members uh, that uh, uh, some of that have sacrificed everything for us, the ultimate sacrifice. So we appreciate what Hank is doing. Hammer and Hank, I hope to see him uh, at maybe a, 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 a marathon or two in 2024. And, uh, you know, we've only got uh, a few weeks left in this year, hard to believe. And I uh, hope you uh, have some great plans to close out the year and make some new goals for 2024. And uh, I'm going to be hopefully kicking off the new year with another marathon in January uh, to be determined where, but I've got a couple ideas up my sleeve. I'll be sure to keep you guys updated on where I'll be going, but I want to close this one out as we always do in prayer. Dear Lord, just uh, thank you for this time together. Uh, Thank you for all those that are listening right now to this podcast. Lord God, that we, um, you would just help us to, to run the race uh, with perseverance as we seek after you, Jesus, as our King of King and Lord of Lords. And we just uh, praise you for your many blessings you, you give to us. And uh, Lord God, in this season, that let us not for, forget that it's, Christmas is about you, Christ. And uh, we just thank you for um, just so much you do for us. Keep us safe in all our travels. Help people stay healthy with um, the flu and other things going around. Just to help uh, uh, folks get the rest and the strength they need uh, to just get through and to live a life more abundantly, not just to to just to go through life um, and just try to get get through. And you name me, pray, Jesus. Amen.
I thank you so much again for joining us for Run the Race. Tell your friends about it. Use hashtag Run the Race. We'd love for you to write a review on uh, Apple Podcasts and your iPhone. You can listen to this on Spotify, Google Play, and SoundCloud. And and uh, so lots of uh, lots of options for you as uh, we are uh, uh, into the 180s on the episodes. Four years into doing this podcast. Hard to believe. Hope you guys have a great rest of the week. God bless. God bless.